This is the Hockey News Podcast. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the Hockey News Podcast for today. Uh, sponsored as always by Christian Hockey. Thank you for that. Um, and I'm here, Ken Campbell, senior writer at the Hockey News with my good pal Ryan Kennedy. Um, we've had a bit of a t- bit of a tough time keeping the band together, haven't we? It's true. Lots uh, of yeah, side projects. We've had a tough time. I was in Arizona for a month, and then oh. last week I was in Detroit for a, a story. Matt's, I don't know, writing a screenplay for his next uh, Oscar-winning movie or something. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. He's in Jamaica, isn't he, or something? Yes. Yeah, good place to be in the middle of the hockey season. It's true. So, um, yeah, so it's just it's just going to be the two of us, and uh, hopefully next week we'll be all back together. We and, can make uh, it if we try. And ready to go, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, Ryan, um, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, we talked, you guys talked about it last week on the podcast, and, and, and we probably have to talk about it a little bit again as the, the COVID-19 virus that's uh, sweeping through the world and, and now making its way to North America and into Canada as well, obviously. Um, it's It's a pretty... It's a pretty um, depressing subject because, I mean, people are getting sick and people are dying from this. So uh, we don't want to minimize that at mm-hmm. all. Um, but there has been an effect on the hockey world. Um, the the women's this week, uh, the IHF and Hockey Canada announced that the women's world uh, championships were going to be canceled. Uh, possibly the under-18s might be canceled. Um, you know, the, the Indian Wells tennis tournament, which is huge, is canceled. There's also apparently the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Dublin is canceled now. So um, obviously this is something that people are taking really, really seriously. The NHL has has changed its media policies and, and is now talking about, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe maybe playing games with nobody in the stands. Um I guess my question is, 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 you know, I mean, is this an overreaction or, or are people, or are, are people just doing the right thing here? Yeah, it's, it's tough to call it an overreaction because of the pandemic levels we're seeing in other countries that um, have had more cases than we've had here in North America. I, I, I did a blog uh, last week where I, I spoke to some folks that ran junior teams in both the U.S. and Canada about the precautions they're taking with their players. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a lot of education, a lot of uh, you know, making sure that all ro- dressing rooms and weight rooms are sterilized and, and, and things of that matter. So there's definitely a heightened sense of uh, I guess propriety yeah. going on right now. You know, teams yeah. want to be safe. They want to be prepared. And if medical experts are saying that the arenas should be empty, then I mean, you know, we're we're hockey folk. We're right. not uh, we're not doctors, right? Though we play them on TV sometimes. Um, it it's tough because it, it it sounds like if you wash your hands and don't rub your eyes. There are some pretty simple ways right. of, of staying uh, uninfected. But, you know, in, in cases like this where you could be passing it on to somebody whose immune system is compromised, it's not just about you. It's about society as a whole. So I, right. I think you have to at least, you know, take cues from the experts. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean, the, the experts in San Jose, the, the health authority in San Jose recommended that the San Jose Sharks either cancel their games or don't play them in front of, of crowds. And then they that was last Thursday. They played Thursday. I think they had uh, fifteen or 16,000. But they played yesterday and had a crowd of 14 and change, which mm. I've never – I don't know that I've seen a crowd that small in San Jose for – Years, yeah. Uh, you know whether that has to do with the team or or people maybe heeding the warning to stay away. I'm not mm-hmm. so sure. Um, I actually spoke today to um, to an infectious disease specialist at uh, the University of Toronto and the University Health Network um, by the name of Dr. Isaac Bogosh, and uh, he basically said, you know, like it's it's a tough call. I mean, even they are having a tough time really you know dealing with all of this but but he said you know that you know maybe you don't have to play in front of empty arenas maybe you play in front of arenas that are only two-thirds full or half full Mm -hmm. and you know and and you just be transparent and say look to your fans like if you're coughing or or sneezing you don't feel well you know don't come to the game and you know if you can produce like a doctor slip that says you're too sick to come to the game maybe you get redeemed for a ticket for another game or something Hmm. um you know and 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 he said you know he was saying things like have you know hand sanitizer like everywhere in every row as you walk in as you walk out you know make sure the arena is is scrubbed down thoroughly after and before games and he said he thinks that that would be good enough. So maybe he maybe it is a bit of an overreaction to suggest that maybe nobody should be going to these games. Mm. But what I see is is like this is a really crucial time of the year for hockey at all levels. It is right. Yeah. Like I mean, people are going to like the, this is where you're having all your state championships, all your provincial championships, all your city championships. You know, there's a heightened. You know, more people are going to be in the rink. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I got to think a hockey bag is like a Petri dish for this stuff. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, the teams are really going to have to take precautions, at, like not just at the NHL level, but I'm thinking, you know, I mean, because it is a it is a, a, a an airborne sort of virus, mm-hmm. right? And and it's a respiratory one. And from what I understand, it's pretty heavy. Uh-huh. So it doesn't hang in the air very long, but it, it hangs around for a while on the on the surfaces that it touches. So uh. you've got to worry about those things. But, I mean, at every level, not just the NHL and, like, kids and, and everybody, I think, has to really be mindful of, of uh, you know, how they comport themselves during this time. Yeah, and, I mean, I was watching the Minnesota State High School final this weekend. Right. And, I, you know, it's a classic event. And one of the things is you have – sellout crowds at right. the XL Energy Center where the Minnesota Wild play for these high school games. And, right. um, you know, I mean, I, you couldn't see the whole crowd necessarily from the from the video, but it looked pretty packed. So I, I think people are sort of weighing the pros and cons of, of going to these events. And, 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 you know, you mentioned the hand sanitizers. I was speaking with Bob Torrey, who's one of the owners of the Tri-City Americans in the WHL. He's also the GM of the team. And he was saying at the Toyota Center in Kennewick, where they play, they were installing a bunch of hand sanitizers, yeah, yeah, not yeah. only in the bathroom, but elsewhere around the concourse to make sure that people had that option to make sure that they were covered no matter where they went. I think it's partly an optics thing, too. They have to yep. look as though they're they're make, taking every precaution as well, mm-hmm. even if it might be a little bit overboard, yeah. because you want to be 
safe rather than sorry obviously. exactly I, i'm wondering you know at the minnesota state tournament i'm wondering if you know having awesome hair mm. gives it boosts your immune immune system because Possibly. if that were the case they'd be then covered they'd be covered at the minnesota high school tournament because the hair at that thing i don't know if you've if you've seen it online or or if you've if you've seen some of these yeah. like the, the the hair game that these kids bring to it's this huge. tournament is it's What's spectacular? Yeah, YouTube Minnesota hockey hair. Yeah, it will it will come up, and yes, salad cures all. Exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so let's move on to uh, let's move on to the NHL here. We've got uh, it's there's two really interesting teams right now: the Philadelphia Flyers and St. Louis Blues are the two hottest teams in the NHL right now. Mm. They're both nine and one in their last ten. Um, you know, and and but but it's interesting. I mean, Philadelphia. We didn't see this coming. St. Louis, I think you could probably see it coming. Let's talk about Philadelphia first. I'm mm. wondering, you know, if this is a team that we can legitimately say is a is a is a Stanley Cup contender at this point. Because I don't think anybody thought that they would be this good mm. this deep into the season. Yeah, I am like ninety percent convinced. Like when I look at the Flyers, I, I start with Coach Elaine Vigneault. Mm-hmm. You know, he comes in to a team that defensively needed a lot of help and I mean he's known for that I mean historically as a, you know the veteran coach he's been a guy who can fix systems and they brought in Matt Niskin in they brought in Justin Braun to the blue line I feel like those three moves right there tells a lot of the tale mm-hmm. where it's not only that you have these veterans on the blue line that can help defensively but Ivan Provorov's having yeah. a much better season. Way better. Way. And Way I, I think better. that's a big part of this is their yeah. young guys kind of stalled or took a step backwards yeah. last year, and those guys have come back in a big way. Yeah, and so all of a sudden your blue line is a lot better than it was last year just there. And then you look at the ascension of Travis Konechny up front. That was great. And for most of the season, that was kind of covering the fact that Claude Giroux was having a historically bad season right, by right, his standards. Right. Now Giroux is back with Sean Couturier. Yeah. And, of course, connect these with Kevin Hayes on another scoring line. And now you've got two lines that are going, and Giroux is starting to heat up just he at the right time. Yeah. So it's all kind of coming together there. Now, I say 90% because goaltending's been iffy it's been so so at best i think it's been a lot better lately it's been better lately yeah yeah but carter hart is one of the best young goalies in the game is he ready to make that leap to the next level where you can say carter hart can take us to the stanley cup well final. i think he's i think he's earned the right to for us to find out yes yeah now can, now, yeah. now can he accomplish it that that's sort of to me the big x factor right. is carter right. hart ready to make that leap because i mean brian elliott's not going to be that guy right he's, he's right. the veteran backup that's exactly. his role exactly. and you know he's he's had struggles this season as he has for the past couple of years but it's it's carter hart's team in the crease and for me if he can do it i mean he's won a world junior gold medal So Mm -hmm. we know he's been Mm -hmm. in pressure-packed situations and succeeded in the past. Can he do it against men? That is the ultimate question. Yeah, I think a lot of this has to do with Alain Vigneault. I mean, he has convinced Jake Voracek to become a 200-foot player and a much more consistent player, and I think Mm. you're seeing that this year. Even though Jake Voracek has had better offensive seasons, I'm not sure that he's been a better all-round player than he's been this year. And, you know, I mean, 
obviously, at least this year, Alain Vigneault was right about Kevin Hayes. Mm. You know, I mean, ever, we all wondered why they gave him that great big contract. And he's been really good. Yeah. Like, he's been really good for yeah. them after really, like, not looking good for Winnipeg last year at all. No. Um, you know, and, and as I said, I think, you know, the guys like Provorov, like Travis Sanheim, like, like you know, some of their younger guys, I think they really took a step backward last year. And I mm. think that was that was a big part of the reason for their lack of sort of success. Yeah. And I think, I think you know, obviously Provorov's come 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 you know, light years ahead this year, those guys are, are making that, you know, after a bit of a stutter step, they're making, making that jump and mm. they're, they're doing well on it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess who knows? I mean, we were sitting there talking about who's going to win the Stanley cup this year. Like as how, how, how do you, how do you handicap pick somebody? It? How yeah. do you pick somebody? And I mean, you know, I mean, a, a big factor tends to be how teams do, down the stretch run and yep. Philly's really hot now and you look you know the Penguins are swooning uh Washington is having some problems there yep. so all of a sudden you look at that metropolitan division and you say well who who would you rather face and it's like well the Flyers are scorching hot I don't know if you'd really want to play them right yeah. now and they're scoring a ton yeah they're scoring a ton and they're not giving up much um, so there's yeah, pretty good recipe. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it works out. But y- you know, I, I would not, that, that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if the flyers like go into the playoffs and then it's like, Oh boy. Right. Ah, oh, yeah, this is, this is what it takes. Okay. Right. Maybe we're not ready, Right. but they, they learn from that and yeah. they, they, they're more ready in the future. Um, the other team is the St. Louis blues. No, nobody seems to be talking about them. It's true. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a defending Stanley Cup champion go, you know, nine and one in its past 10 and have fewer people talking about it. Yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, I mean, we talked about this before and when they won the Cup, I think, you know, and you pointed it out, I think, in a blog that you wrote was they don't have any, they have a bunch of really good players, but they don't have any like elite super, players, elite yeah. players, superstars, Hall of Fame type guys, right? Yeah. Maybe that's why. Maybe we're expecting it. I don't. I don't know what it is, but people just don't seem to be talking about this team. I feel like for myself, I kind of take the defending champs for granted a bit because it's so hard to repeat mm-hmm. in this era where you just kind of you almost discount them and be like, oh well, you won next year, you won last year, so you can't win this year. Yeah. You know, like if you look at the Washington Capitals. The year after they won it, I mean, they were a very similar team. It's like, well, why didn't they do it again? It's like, well, because it's hard. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's really hard. And if you're the St. Louis Blues, you're in a division uh, in a division with the Colorado Avalanche, who could very well win the Stanley Cup. Yep. You're in a division with the Dallas Stars, who look pretty good right now too, in terms of the sum of their parts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then and Winnipeg and Nashville, who Winnipeg are pretty and Nashville good teams. Yeah. are pretty good if they get in. And if those teams get in, they're going to have to be hot down the stretch. Right. In which case, you don't really want to face them. Yeah. Um. So I, I think that's part of it. And with the Blues, it's funny. It's like Jordan Bennington's been okay this year, but Jake Allen's been playing really well good. now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like bizarro yeah. world. Right. And I, I would also point out that Marco Scandella, since he's come over. They've been red hot. I think he's played nine games for them. Yeah, they're nine yeah. and one in their past ten. So yeah. that's pretty good on yeah. him. Yeah, it's those little maneuvers that can help a team that didn't is. really knew, need much. Is. Yeah, and you know, I, I think the other thing is they don't have a point per game player in their lineup. Right. They have guys like David Perron and Ryan O'Reilly who are close, and of course Ryan O'Reilly is an elite two way guy. 
but it, it doesn't stick out as much. When you look at the leaderboard and you right. don't see any St. Louis Blues on it, you think like, oh, they're just kind of okay. But really, it's that they have an awesome collective of very and, good guys. And I think they're. I think the thing about them is their situational play is amazing, mm. right? They'll score big. Like David Perron will score big goals. Yeah. Right. Like he may not, and he's very streaky. But you know, I mean, I think they. I think, I, and we're going to talk about another team that that I that I'm going to say this about too is I, I think. They're comfortable in any kind of game now, right? Yeah, like they're they're, seen they're it. okay. They're okay in a like they're okay in a one-one game in the third period where sure. there's only been a total of thirty shots between the two teams. Yeah. You know, like they're okay with that. They can play that game. They can persevere in that game. They can they can wait until yes. they get they get a chance, right? Yes. So, so yeah, yeah, no, a team that I I think really I I don't know how you could ever want to face them in the first round of the playoffs. It's true. And and again, that's the problem with you know forecasting the central is if you told me that Dallas beat St. Louis in the first round, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I can see that. If you told me that well, St. Almost, Louis— They almost did in the second They almost last did year. last year. If yeah. you told me that St. Louis knocks out Colorado in the first round or the second round this year, I'd say, yeah, I could yeah, see that. Yeah, it's, it's, but if Colorado won the Stanley Cup, I could see that too. Yeah, so how yeah. do you make those decisions? It's, yeah. it's tricky. Exactly. Um, Mika Zibanejad of the New York Rangers, Player mm. of the Week. Uh, and well-deserved. Indeed. Uh, five goals in one game, seven <laughs> goals in three games, five goals including the game winner um, in their 6-5 win over... Um, yeah, I can't remember who they beat that night, but... Some it, team. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Um, anyways, Mika Zibanejad, Player of the Week. Now, I guess the question is, first of all, so if you're an Ottawa Senators fan and you're wondering why your team's where they are right <laughs> now, this is maybe part of the reason, too. Could be. Derek Broussard for, for Mika Zibanejad. That trade is looking worse with every passing day. Yeah. Um, but I guess what we have to determine here is that uh, is a 26-year-old Mika Zibanejad uh, a legitimate number one center that's going to lead the New York Rangers into all of these good days that we mm. think are coming for this team? Or is he what I would call... I've always sort of called a good, bad team player. Mm. Guy who takes advantage of a lot of ice time and a lot of opportunity on a weak team to pile up numbers. Mm. Which is he? I think he is like a 1B center. But having said that, on this Rangers team, in terms of what they're building, I think that's okay. Because you have an elite winger in Artemi Panarin who... While he's not a center himself, he carries a lot of the offensive weight. And Zabinajad, you know, he's a pretty good two-way guy. Um, he can do other things where he doesn't have right. to be that 90-point guy. He doesn't have to be, you know, a Tyler Sagan, a Steven Stamkos, uh, you know, a Connor McDavid, you know, that sort of number one center. Um, I, I think he can play a pretty prominent role and, and obviously he can put up numbers, but I, I think this Rangers team is put together a little bit differently, and it's it's not necessarily uh, a bad design because they still have guys coming up. And, you know, the fact that they hung on to Zabinajad when they easily could have dealt him this year, yeah. and ironically, I mean, they've been super hot since the trade deadline, even though they lost Chris Kreider and Shesterkin for a while. You keep those guys, those... They're veterans, but they're young veterans, and you know you see what you can build off with them still in their primes. 
And you think about the growth you're going to see from Capo Caco in the coming years, the growth from Vitaly Kravtsov, uh, even Adam Fox on the blue line. And there's a lot of talent on New York. Zabinijad's one of those guys that can help guide the kids as they go. And so I think he's in a great role. Um, I, I wouldn't put him on that upper echelon of centers, but I, I don't necessarily think he needs to be that good in order for New York to be successful. Right. I mean, he's a guy that's under contract for, I think, two more years at about $5.3 million. It's good. So, so if he's producing 75, 80 points a year, that is... That's hot. That's more than enough from him. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree with you, Ryan. I think he's he's a guy that's, you know, a really good two-way centerman. Um, he's not a Ryan O'Reilly good two-way centerman. Mm. He's he's probably a little better offensively and probably not quite as good defensively as, yeah. as Ryan O'Reilly. Um, but again, you've got a team here that... that you know, I mean, the offense is is going to be taken care of, um, and 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 partially from the back end. Yeah. I mean, you you know, you've got Tony D'Angelo who's got 15 goals this year. You've got Adam Fox who's going to be able to put up numbers, and I think Jacob Truba is is eventually going to be a guy that's going to put up some decent numbers for them as well. Yeah. Um. So I mean, you're right. I don't think he has to be, you know, one of these sort of classic number one, mm-hmm. you know, centers. Um, but as an 80 point guy, uh, who can play both ends of the ice and, and do what he's doing this year. I, I think that's, that's, I mean, you get that from Mika Zibanejad as your number one center. That's okay. And at, and at five mil. Right. 5.3. That's 5.3. Like if that's, if that's what you're getting for 5.3 million, you're in good shape. And he's only 26. So maybe he's coming into his own. And, you know, I mean, I, most players are, have probably seen their, their, absolute peak by then but mm. i mean here's a guy who's put up 72 points last year i think he's got 70 some this year mm. he's going to be a point a game guy if he keeps this up well if he keeps this up he'll have 130 points by the end of the <laughs> but uh but yeah I, I i i'm sort of coming around to believe that this believing that this guy you know can be the guy that carries the mail for this team yeah i agree as a better team too as yeah. a better team yeah you know like like it's one thing to do it when the team's not good, can you do it and be a contributor and contribute to a team's success? Yes. And hey, maybe it happens this year. You know the the Red Wing or the uh, the, the Rangers. They're in the mix. They're in the mix. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be there at the end, but they're they're close. Um. All right. Goalies. Mm. Goalies. This was your this was your this uh, is my idea. This was your idea for the podcast. So right now, right here, right now, Ryan Kennedy, yes. as we sit here today, what goalies in the NHL would you trust to lead a team to a Stanley Cup? Yeah, and the genesis of this question was just how unpredictable goaltending has been this season oh gosh, and how tough it is to pin down. And we already mentioned Bennington and Allen in St. Louis. You look at Tristan Jari and Matt Murray in Pittsburgh. You look at Ilya Samsonov and Braden Holtby in Washington, where you have these kids that are essential. Well, not in the case of Allen, but um, or Holtby. <laughs> well, no. What I was no, going to say is you have, one, yeah. you have the you have these established number yeah. ones right. falling, and you have new guys coming up. And then right. in the case of St. Louis, it's it's the opposite, where yeah. Allen's making a comeback, and Bennington's kind of fallen back to to earth. But it, it really made me think, like, who can you trust? And, you know, we mentioned Carter Hart, where it's a we just don't know yet what he'll be like in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But in terms of goalies right now that we know are – going to be in the playoffs and actually one of them we don't even know um 
like guys I would trust, Tuka Rask in Boston. Yeah. You know, like when I look at Tuka Rask, I see a guy yeah. who's been there before, he's gone through the wars, you know, he's gone to a final. Um, two of them. I, yeah, two of them. Um, but I would trust Tuka Rask. And, and his backup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Yarrow yeah. Halak as well. Yeah, yeah. So Boston's fine. Uh, ben Bishop in Dallas. That's a guy I had written down as well. I would trust Ben Bishop. And ironically, his backup, Anton Kudobin. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, he yeah. always also H- playing had, had, it, If it were not for Ben Bishop, hmm. the, the Dallas Stars aren't even close to winning that series last year the only yeah. reason the only yeah. reason why they take that to seven and the only reason why it goes to game seven in overtime yeah was because of Ben Bishop. yeah and he was fantastic yeah. in that final game even though they ended up losing and then Connor Hellbuck if Winnipeg gets into the yeah. playoffs yeah. Connor Hellbuck I mean Connor Hellbuck already is probably the Jets MVP this year and uh, a Vesna candidate. Uh, Kyle Connor, right? Okay. Uh, maybe Kyle Connor as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you think about the Winnipeg defense and how many holes got blown yeah. through it in the offseason yeah. and yeah. what Connor Hellbuck's been able to to do for them. That, that, that would be my case. Uh, but if Winnipeg gets into the playoffs, Connor Hellbuck, I think, I, I would trust him. Otherwise, you look around the league, and, you know, I mentioned some of those guys before. It's like, who does Washington start? Do they start Holtby because he's yeah. won a Stanley Cup before? Yeah. Or Samsonov, who was playing better in, than Holtby until recently, and now Samsonov's hit a wall. Pittsburgh, do they play Tristan Jari because he's got some of the best numbers in the NHL this Save year? Save it for the questions. Yeah, we exactly. Got the, we got a question on that one. We do. That's true. <laughs> so I won't go in depth there. But, you know, like if, you know, like Toronto, like Freddie Anderson has not played well this year, no. but they don't really have many other options mm-hmm. the, unless they go with Jack Campbell, and that wouldn't be ideal, obviously, just in terms of workload. But, you know, you look around, like Nashville, what do you do if mm-hmm. the Preds get into the playoffs? I mean, there's just so many question marks everywhere. I, I suppose, you know, if the Rangers get in, if Shesterkin's healthy, then that that's easy. Um but, yeah, just a lot of questions, and I think that could be a huge X factor in this in this tournament where it's hard to figure out who's the front runner. Yeah. And I think goaltending is a big reason why. I'm going to add one name to that mix, and it's probably a name that, that y- you may disagree with. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to say Marc-Andre Fleury. Even though he has not been great this year, uh-huh. he's, he's had some rough patches, mm-hmm. um, I think when it comes down to it, um, I think he would be a guy that you could rely on mm. and look back. I, I think a lot of it is just looking back at the beginning of the game and going, we're good. Right. You know, I, I think that, that that is so much part of how much success a team has because mm. then they don't have to adjust the way they play in front of them. They can play mm. their own game. They don't have to worry, right? And I, I think Marc-Andre Fleury has proven over the years that mm. he can be that guy. Now, here's something interesting. Because Fleury's been up and down. You're totally right that he has yeah. that portfolio, but Robin Lehner's a very good goalie. Yeah, his so what, too, yeah. So what do you do there mm-hmm. if you're Vegas? It's, I, I, I feel like this could be well, one of those— Well, that's why they got him. I mean, yeah. that's why they got him. Yeah. Right? I feel this could be a postseason where, like, a bunch of goalies play the first two games and then get yanked for somebody else, Yeah, and they don't necessarily lose that series. Yeah. Well, uh, we've got quite a— um, Quite a wild card race on the on the go here. I, I personally think it's coming down to game eighty two in in both both conferences. But yeah. but if you had to pick right now, Ryan, who would you pick as your two wild card teams in the East and the two wild card teams in the West? Okay, so starting with the East, and when, you know when I looked at these races, I I looked a lot at schedule, the yep. way for, yep. you know for here on out. 
So I'm going to go with Florida and Carolina. And okay. you look at Carolina. Um, I, I they're getting exactly the same thing you did. They're getting healthier. You know, Peter Mrazek's yep. coming back. Yep. They have Detroit, they have Ottawa, they have Buffalo twice, mm-hmm. and they have New Jersey twice. New Jersey twice. twice. I got that. So got that's, that that's pretty right nice. Here. That's yep. pretty nice. Half of their games are against bottom feeders. Yeah. Half of their remaining games. Yeah. yeah, and then you look at Florida, they got New Jersey once, Ottawa twice, and Buffalo. But what I also here, – here's my thing, because Florida was, like, dead last week. Right. Then they retire Roberto Luongo's number, have a big effort that night against Montreal. I think they're going to get a Luongo bump down the stretch. I think it's wow. going to refocus them. Okay. All right? They're 1-0. Yeah. <laughs> with Bobby Lee's number retired. So, I mean, they've got the nice schedule where they've got some definitely winnable games. I, they've got Toronto at least once, maybe twice. At least once. <laughs> oh, you're counting those as winnable games? No, well, they're four Florida points. versus they're Toronto. Four point, they're four-point games, which is huge. Yeah. And so they take care of business in those games, and they yeah. look good. Yeah, and, and Florida's played Toronto pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm going to go with those. It, and it's tough because you look at a team like the Islanders, it's like, oh, man, like the Islanders are, it was so good for most of the season, but they just they got a tough schedule, and – you know the Rangers are the Rangers have a couple of games in hand, so they they'd be an option. But you know, no Kreider, and you know what's Shesterkin gonna be once he's back? Yeah. Like how much of a yeah, low yeah. can he take? And their schedule's not great, yeah. so yeah. I just feel with those two teams, they they maybe have the easiest path in the East. Right uh, in the West, I'm gonna go Vancouver and Winnipeg. Oh, now. Vancouver, I know they're banged up. They're not. They haven't been playing well lately. No, I don't like the way they're trending at all. They're not trending well. I yeah. will admit, yeah. but they too have some winnable games. They've got Arizona a couple of times. They've got the California teams a couple of times, mm-hmm. and I think if they can just if they can get it together, I mean, obviously they need Jacob Markstrom back as soon as possible. But you can only control what you can control. Um, and then I have Winnipeg because their schedule is not too bad. And like I said, they've got Hellbuck. They've, they've got some pretty good teams. The other thing is in the West, there's just so many mediocre teams that when I look at them, yeah. like I, like Nashville's got a pretty dodgy schedule, so that's why I discounted the Preds. But you, you sort of think it's like, like is Minnesota really a playoff team? They're 7-3 and three in their past 10. Yeah. But is that the top of the mountain for them? Right. That would be my concern with Minnesota is that they have peaked. And that the rest of the way is not going to be as good. That's funny because the two teams I picked in the West were Minnesota and Nashville. Well, there you go. Uh, Nashville, I, I think. I, I think. I just think Nashville's too good to not be in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, they've shut out the Dallas Stars two games in a row, so they're trending in a good direction there. Um, and and Minnesota, uh, another team that I think has just gotten a real, you know, they've they've gotten the the, the bump from. Uh, from firing Bruce Boudreau. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you've got guys like Kevin Fiala, Ryan Donato, who are playing really well. Yeah. Uh, I, I've always thought that Zach Parise and Ryan Suter, if you take away their salary and how much Parise gets injured, um, they're not they're not part of the problem there in my opinion mm-hmm. uh, some so two good veterans um, so I so I went with I went with Minnesota and Nashville in the west mm-hmm. in the east I, I went with Carolina for for precisely like every reason that you said <laughs> that was why I went with them yeah. and I watched them yesterday against the Islanders and what I like about the Carolina Hurricanes is number one um, uh, Justin Williams is 
really starting to pick it up. And mm. the more important the games get, the better he plays. Very true. And the second is that, that I talked about that comfort level. I just think that's a team that's comfortable playing in any kind of game. Like they mm. were, you know, it was a nothing-nothing game uh, on Saturday against the Islanders, and they were good with that. They went... They went through it. They they got into overtime. They got the goal. You know, yesterday they fall down. They fall two one to the Penguins uh, on the road, and they just they just stick with it and they win easy. Mm. Um, the other team I think is going to be the New York Islanders. Just, I mean, how do they not? Yeah. How do they not? Yeah. You know. But look where they are right now. I know, and and it, you, if you want to talk about a team where they're trending, yeah, that's a team that's not trending in a good direction. Yeah. Um. You know what's interesting about your Florida pick is does that mean if if you subscribe to the theory that nobody other than the th- top three teams in the Atlantic are going to get mm. in? Um, who's does that mean Toronto misses the playoffs? No, I I think that Florida is just going to pick up enough points that they'll be that mm-hmm. wild card team because right now they're in that they're in the mix. So I think that. With other teams falling back in the metro floor, it, it would end up being four and four, right? Just because of other. That's the thing. It's like you know, we always talk about which teams can make the playoffs, and I always forget that there's mediocre teams that are missing it in spite of themselves, right? <laughs> right, know? exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're backing their way in. Like there's yeah. just not a there's. I mean, I guess it only makes sense that you know there's. 10 bad teams in the NHL, there's 10 really good teams, and then there's 10 teams in the middle. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, so that, well, that'll be, uh, that will be very interesting because, uh, I mean, we've all been thinking that the Toronto Maple Leafs were going to play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. It seemed to be preordained, but mm. if your scenario comes to pass, guess who Toronto gets to play in the first round? Probably again. <laughs> <laughs> With that second wild card spot if they finish there. There you Boston go. Bruins. Um, Yes, Stephen. Stephen has his hands up, hand up. Before you, get a, uh, before you go into the questions, yeah, a comment from Pedersen, number forty, and he said, "Big fan of you guys. Larkin's my favorite. Sorry, guys. Damn. Uh, Campbell is the funniest. He has almost made me laugh tears, and that Kennedy is the stat head." Interesting. All right. Nice. Yeah. No question. Matt Larkin is is a, an outstanding host. And he's got the good beard going and True. everything, and he he just kind of rhymes off everything. And you're 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 like the you're like the prospect guy. You're the jack of all trades. You're giving us like big time innings, Ryan Kennedy. There you go. And whereas I'm just the I'm just the I don't know what I am. You're the glory boy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that was a nice comment from Pedersen Forty. Yeah. Shout out. I wonder if he's a Vancouver Canucks fan. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Connor C. Caroline. Huh. Interesting. Connor C. Caroline. Triple C. Triple C. Does it make sense for Cole, Ca- Cole Caulfield to turn pro next season? I'm going to start on this one. Go for it. Uh, I wrote actually wrote a blog on this today. And I don't... Well, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it doesn't make sense for him to turn pro. Mm. But I think he'd be much better, much better served going back to Wisconsin for mm. a year. And what I think is the Montreal Canadiens... Mark Bergevin came out a couple of weeks ago and said, we don't think he's ready. Right. We think he should stay back for another year. But we're not going to stop him if he wants to play, if he wants to turn pro. Mm. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what? He can't sign a contract you don't offer him. Yeah, like, why are we not going to stop him? Like, if we yeah. think that he needs to go back, yeah. why would we not just say, no, sorry? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... 
take advantage of what you have of the of the of the the tools that are given to you in the yeah. collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. And right or wrong, fair or not, the one tool they have is to tell Cole Caulfield, you know what? Don't even think about it. We're not offering you a contract because we think you need to go back. And then Cole Cole Caulfield gets a little bit hurt and he gets pissed off, but it'll be fine. It'll be fine. He could go back to Wisconsin. He could score 35 goals next year. He could go to the World Juniors and actually be a player of impact at that level. I don't see it. Let's put it this way. I see massive downsides to him turning pro. I see zero. Like, and I mean zero downside to him going back to Wisconsin next year. Yeah, I mean, if there's any question, they should just give him Yasperi Kakanyemi's phone number mm-hmm. in, in Laval. Yeah. yeah, the guy who got hit along the boards and injured his spleen. Yeah. Wow, he can't play with men. Who'd yeah. have thought it? Who, who would who'd have, have thought yes. it? Amazing. Uh, I agree with you. I think that Cole Caulfield is a fantastic prospect, but... Part of the great thing of the college development path is the amount of time the kids have in the weight room and off the ice. And Cole Caulfield... He's not big. He's never going to be tall, but he can get thick. He can add pounds to his frame. He can add muscle to his frame. And another year in Madison would be great for that. And just like you said... He should dominate. Like, we should be talking yeah. next year about yeah. Cole Caulfield for the Hobie, Hobie Baker. Baker. Exactly. Like, there should be Cole a checklist. Caulfield, Cole Caulfield for the Hobie Baker. Yep. Cole Caulfield for MVP at the World Juniors. Yep. Um, um, and and Cole Caulfield leading the Wisconsin Badgers to a deep playoff run. Yeah. And to the Big the Ten title. Yeah, the tournament, yeah. the final, maybe the final four, you know, whatever. Exactly. Right? Yeah, like Wisconsin, like, their season's done because they got knocked out in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. And the Big Ten's and not they got even smoked. Strong. They got smoked in game one, 8-1, and then they lost 2-1 in overtime. Yeah, and it's not even that good a conference, Yeah, right? Yeah. So I think you should go back and, yeah, do that checklist. Go out the net, you know, two years, it's good. Then you come out, you're older, you're stronger, you're a little bit bigger. And, I mean, the Habs, they're not going to be a Stanley Cup team overnight. We know that. They, They still have a bunch of... I wouldn't say missing pieces, but you know they have pieces that are not yet there. Right, right. So there's no rush here. And I mean, if you're the Habs, it's a year of free development. Exactly. Where you don't have why to sign Caulfield to an entry level deal. Why would you burn that year on the yet. contract? Why would you do all those things? Yeah. I just don't understand. We're the team here. Yeah. We think it's best for you to stay back, so you stay back. Yeah. You know, like let's put it this way: I'm five foot six and 160 pounds, right? Cole Caulfield is five foot seven and 163 pounds. Yeah. So he's basically me with less flab and a <laughs> hell of a lot more talent. hockey talent. Yes. Right? Yes. But he's not much bigger than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's where it is. Yeah. And I hate to bring this up, but if you check, he's got one goal. He had one goal in his last nine games mm. in college. And he had good numbers. Yeah. Not not great numbers, but really good numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Jack Hughes, one assist in his last 13 games. Are we not learning from this stuff? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm with you, Ryan. I think, like I said, I don't see any downside to him going back. I see a lot of potential downside to him to him signing and yeah. going pro. Yeah. I see zero to him going back. Yeah. 
But and, and it shouldn't be left up to him because no. Oh, okay, you want to play pro? Of course I want to play pro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'd rather go to school and make nothing. Yeah. And you know, have to take uh, you know underwater basket weaving courses <laughs> at Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, or no, I I want to make nine twenty five as a rookie in the NHL. Hmm. Let's yeah. see. Which one am I gonna pick? Okay. Yeah. You know, play in one of the most famous arenas in the <laughs> exactly con- on the continent. Don't leave it up to him. Yeah. Okay, so we've got Hamilton Bulldogs fan. All right. Both Penguins goalies have struggled recently, but Matt Murray has been a disaster all year. Guilty. I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't think we can really disagree with Sub that. Sub-900 got to lift up his glasses here. <laughs> Who should be the starting goalie for the playoffs, assuming they make it? Okay, so I'm going to say Matt this Murray. is one of those scenarios where you start Matt Murray, and if he lays an egg in game one, Maybe game two. Yeah, you go to Tristan Jari. Well, you're down 0-2. You can't. You have no choice. If he plays yeah. terrible in games one and two, yeah. and you're down 0-2, you gotta go. Yeah. So I mean, <clears throat> Mike Sullivan's a great coach. He'll have the temperature of the room. Either game one or game two. If if they go squirrely, then you go to Tristan Jari, and you hope Tristan Jari becomes Matt Murray. Right. From a couple of years ago. Right. Right. Yeah. That would be. Uh, yeah. That would be my my take on. I mean, Mike Sullivan. It's very clear that he. He has a lot of trust in Matt Murray. Mm. I mean, I, I think it's abundantly clear. And I think just because of the fact that Matt Murray has been what Matt Murray has been in the playoffs, I think he's earned the opportunity to get that start. And you're right. You know, I mean, if, if they're down 0-2 and he's terrible, then you're you're in a desperate situation anyways. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Um, and, you know, or maybe the, the Penguins can – score their way out of trouble in one of those two games and or whatever but yeah i think i think i i would probably i'd probably go with matt murray yeah myself um all right rich rich what's the funniest quote you've ever gotten from a player this is a fun question it's it's tough too to like think back yeah i've i've had a couple that that were really off color like really (laughs) off color that i i can't say here yeah because no no i'm not doing it because i don't need that we already had the discussion i'm not gonna do it so there you go um there were a couple and they, they mine come from when i back when i covered the toronto maple leafs one of them one one time glenn healy he there was a time where they had where they had felix they had signed curtis joseph they still had Felix Potvan, and they had Glenn Healy. So they had to send Glenn Healy down to the minors. They sent him down to Chicago. Him and Chris King, I think, actually went down together. And mm. and when he came back up, I was like, oh, okay, what was the minors like? He goes, well, he says, man, there was one road trip. He says, we're, on the, we're sitting in the plane. We're on the runway. We're on the runway for hours. We're driving along the runway for hours. He says, I look out, and I realize... We're actually on a bus <laughs> and not a plane. <laughs> that one was good. And another one was from Dmitry Iskavich, who I loved as a guy when he was here. He was just a great guy, defenseman for the Leafs, played his ass off, played his heart out, just left everything out on the ice all the time. He gets traded to Florida. And and Flor- and at the time, I, I actually broke this story. At the time, they, they were getting him to go through a physical because for his contract or something. And I was like, that's not right. They're not doing that. Cause they were, they wanted to trade him. Mm. So he gets traded to, to Florida and uh, Robert's Fela comes back on the other way. And uh, I, I, I had a really good relationship with, with, with this Yuskevich. And he says afterwards, he goes, yeah, he goes, 
In the Toronto Maple Leafs, the only person who doesn't lie in that whole organization is Carlton the Bear. And that's because he can't talk. <laughs> so there's a couple. Uh, but good. the funniest one, sorry, can't give them to you because they're way too off color. Yeah, my favorite comes from the draft combine years ago. There was a Russian prospect named Kirill Kabanov, and he was so much fun to deal with. He spoke <laughs> fluent English, but he was a bit of a... Uh, a tough kid to deal with, apparently, if you were a coach. So that year, he had been kicked off Russia's under-18 team after, like, one practice or something <laughs> wow. like that. And so he gets to the draft combine, and we're all like, Kirill, what happened? Because there were stories coming out, and he's like, first of all, I get there, and everybody has a red helmet, and they gave me a white helmet. I was the only guy there with a white helmet. So that was one thing where there was something up. And then they accused me. The coach said I was stealing peanuts from wow. his, his desk. <laughs> and he's like, I took one peanut, and it wasn't even his desk. It was just a table in a room. <laughs> and yeah, so he wasn't stealing peanuts. He only took one. It was only one, and it, I, yeah. they might not have even been that coach's That's peanuts. Funny. And it was just so like it was so open. And I also have a memory of the draft that year. It was in Los Angeles. Um, and day two, I was walking to the rink uh, after getting some breakfast, and I see somebody sprinting by me on the street going towards the Staples Center because the draft was starting. Yeah. And it was Kirill Kabanoff in his suit just sprinting towards the Staples Center because he wasn't there yet. He was yeah. running Don't worry. Away. It's just the beginning of the first round, Kirill. You don't yeah. have to, you no, don't have to sprint. It was, oh, day, it was day two. two. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I believe he was taken. He was taken by the Islanders. I don't remember what the pick yeah. was, but. He made it. He made it eventually. Right. There's another one that actually just came to mind for me, and then the 1990 Memorial Cup, 1990, 1991 Memorial Cup. I saw some of the best hockey I've ever seen in my life. Like mm -hmm. some of the most entertaining hockey. Uh, the Kamloops Blazers were there with uh, with Scott Niedermeyer and Daryl Sador, and, and and then and then there was the Oshawa Generals with Eric Lindros. That was the year they played Kitchener in the final, mm. and it went to overtime, and it was really compelling and really good. But actually, one of the best hockey games I've ever seen was actually in the round-robin portion of that tournament between Oshawa and Kitchener, and it went to overtime, and it went to, like, triple overtime or something. And Eric Lindros is a 16-year-old kid. He's sitting there in the middle of the press conference, and, and somebody throws this question at him, like, did you think, like one of these ones, did you think anybody was ever going to score? <laughs> and and Eric, as, a, as like a naive sort of, with it also, 16-year-old looks around like, yeah, I, I knew somebody was going to score. I just didn't know when. <laughs> you know? So I, I, I quite enjoyed that answer as well. So, hey, uh, listen there, Stephen, do we have any other questions? One good one. All right. It's actually two people have asked it. Uh, okay. It's asking, will Scott Sandlin ever be an NHL coach? I think so. I think he'll get a shot because he has yep. such a strength defensively. I would even I would even say if the Minnesota Wild are looking for a permanent head coach, he'd be a good candidate. And I, I put this on Twitter and and there was a fan who's like, Do you really want them to have a like a boring defensive style coach? I was like, Yeah. They don't have enough talent to keep up with they other had, teams. They had Jacques Lemaire as their coach at one time. That worked. Out, that was the best they've ever done. So some I, teams, I, some teams need to be defensive. I guess I'm with you, Ryan. Um, the only thing to me is I and I would have said yes without hesitation. 
before the World Juniors this year. Mm. I was very, I, I'm going to come out and say it, I was very disappointed with the with how he handled that roster at the World Juniors. Uh, and, yeah. and it makes me think, it makes me wonder, it gives me pause mm. to wonder, can this guy coach teams that are offensive, that have an offensive bent to them? Because, yeah. I mean, he's won, he's obviously won, but he's won with older players who have been very defense-minded defense yeah. at, at, at uh, Minnesota Duluth, right? Yeah, it's yeah. fair to say that, Oh, correct? for sure, for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, we know he can coach that part of the game. Yeah. But the game's not like that at the NHL level as mm. much anymore. Yeah. And you've got to be able to score, and I wonder if... Because, I mean, you know, we talked about Cole Caulfield. He was... He was also miscast in the World Juniors, and that was yeah. part of the reason why he struggled so much. It, we yeah. kept waiting for him and Turcotte to be put together. We kept waiting for him to get the opportunity, mm. and it never seemed like he got it. So, I, I do, I do think he has the tools, but I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna have to really have good assistants that are very offense-minded, and mm. he's going to have to lean on those guys and allow those guys to let players freelance. Yeah, I wonder if. I know I agree with the World Juniors. I think that was a bad fit for the kids that Team yeah. USA had, and yeah. it just so happened that this year a lot of their best players were more offensive minded. Right. You know, maybe in another year it's a better fit, but I mean, what are you going to do, right? Um, but you know, again, going back to Minnesota, I could see a scenario where you know if he takes over, you have that defensive structure, but you know, Kirill Kaprizov he gets a little more freedom. Yeah. Kevin Fiala gets a little more freedom to strike out offensively, where, right. whereas you, you can look at a Zach Parise and you know that you can get buy-in from him as a veteran right. Right. who can be that two-way guy and lock things down. So, I don't know, I, that's just sort of the my yeah. blue sky yeah. idea of how that scenario could Interesting. work. Interesting. Yeah, I think, I think we're going to see him behind an NHL bench one day. Mm. Um, anything else, Stephen? Okay. okay, that's it for questions. That's it for topics. Boom. We've been talking about nothing until nothing's good enough. So... Um, well, next week, hopefully, we'll have uh, the, um, the, hair back. The, the the beautifully coiffed one with us. The, the one, the one that's, who apparently is the best. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, yeah, okay, we'll have him back. And hopefully, we'll have the band back together for, uh, for, um, for the rest of the season and through the playoffs. And as always, thanks to our sponsor, Christian Hockey. And that's it for this week. So uh, please wash your hands. Stay... Stay well hydrated and and stay healthy and uh, let's get through all of this. Thanks. Good.